0: Yeah, I guess so. This is Words About Books. I'm Ben. He's Nate. I would like to read a prepared statement. When children first encounter the concept of eternal damnation, it is not uncommon for them to wonder if one would, eventually over the course of eternity, grow numb to the devil's torments. Surely, they think, there is no torture that could inflict fresh pain anew each time that it is applied even prometheus chained to his rock must be at least a little accustomed to having his liver ripped out by now having read ready player one i can confirm that these blasphemous children are indeed naive fools ernest klein has crafted a powerful reminder to this arrogant humanity that the universe is not but an engine of misery from whence there is neither escape nor respite Each new 80s reference brings with it a tsunami of cringe. Each new edgelordian bit of teenage angst fanned the flames of my rage to heights I'd never dared imagine possible. And so it was that I both drowned and burned simultaneously for 350 pages. And whilst that span is far from eternity, It was long enough that I will never question the limits of human suffering again. Now, I'm sure there are those among you for whom this monologue has been too long, and as a result, you did not listen. For those of you, I will end with a summation of five simple words. Ready Player One is hell. So Nate, what did you think of the book?
1: Uh, I can tell you. Uh, with 100% certainty and honesty that I enjoyed it more than you did. <laughs> I think that
0: is a safe bet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if anyone in the world has enjoyed um, it less than me. <laughs> I pray for that person. <laughs> I, I have been
1: looking forward to this discussion Ever since, well, ever since the end of Twilight, when I knew <laughs> that you would have to start reading this book, and I knew that you would not like it, and it just got better as you started reading it and and delving into
0: Nate, <laughs> more dislike I read 10 than I could ever fathom. I read 10 pages of this book and set it down. And then proceeded to do just (laughs) everything else in my life that I possibly could think to do. Before picking... I did the dishes. I did the laundry. I took apart a table. I put things away. I sold my possessions. Like, I just went through all my old books and started finding things we could get rid of. Because we're going to move one day, possibly years from now. And you don't want to carry that with you. And and then I, I... was like, well, you know, I gotta, I gotta finish typing that chocolate war blog for the old words about books, and maybe I could edit a few more audio gags into Twilight, <laughs> maybe. And then I had to pick up the book again, and then I made it another ten pages, and then I thought, but wait, uh, my wife's car could use gas. I am gonna go put some gas in my wife's car.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, you actually,
1: you almost didn't
0: finish. No. This. There were
1: times you were ready to throw in the towel and just be done. Uh, y- so I, I applaud you
0: for getting through this I have break. a confession. Oh, no. I got to about, I have gone back and reread it because i made a ton of highlights, but I got to about page 250. There were 100 to go, and I just broke down and bought the audiobook. Set it to (laughs) 2.5 times speed, which is surprisingly understandable. Will Wheaton must have been talking incredibly slow. I set it to 2.5 times speed, hopped on an exercise bike that my family got me for my birthday. Thank you very much, mom. I know you're listening. And Megan. Uh, But that, that bike and that audiobook carried me the remaining 100 pages, nay, dragged me the remaining 100 pages across the finish line.
1: You know, I was I was going to say that I hope that they're not listening, but you know what? You suffered for this.
0: So I hope this gets all the views. <laughs> <It should. laughs> I'm going to get this out of the way now. I'm just going to get this out of the way. I I think this is the worst book I've ever read. I <laughs> I'm kind of including fan fiction in that. <laughs> okay, before we before we dive in before I start getting mean
1: and <laughs> we haven't gotten mean uh, yet no. <laughs> uh,
0: I just want to say if if this is your favorite book if if you love Ready Player One I'm not judging you it's totally fine you're allowed to like whatever you like I don't like the book I'm going to tear it apart and talk about why I don't like it but that's not a personal attack on anyone Except perhaps Ernest Cline at some points. I'm sorry, Ernie, but I got a real, I got a real bone to pick on a couple of these. But uh, yeah, you're allowed to like bad stuff. I like bad stuff. I defended Twilight, so I have no room to criticize anybody's tastes. And if this is your favorite book, go out and read it again, just to spite me. Maybe buy another copy. <laughs> Get the audiobook. I've paid for it twice, so. I'm technically a bigger fan than most. I, uh,
1: I I think I got like on a free trial with Audible, so I don't think I paid for my audiobook.
0: I I also didn't I used finish a credit. it, so you know. <laughs> good good call. Oh uh, no, good I wasn't call. gonna pay twenty bucks for it, but I will say I am kind of thinking about seeing the movie. I don't know if you want to do that as like a riff track. <laughs>
1: well, I I think here's here's how we'll decide. We'll let the audience decide. If this does anything close to what Dune did, then fine. <laughs> I'll I'll take the plunge.
0: Okay. How do you want to begin this, Mister Nate?
1: Uh, let's begin. Who picked this? By... Did I pick this
0: or did you pick this?
1: I picked this. <laughs>
0: Why did you pick this?
1: <laughs> I well, uh you know I keep referencing a, a friend of mine who who told me to read The Fold and Paradox Bound, so maybe I should rethink that friendship. Uh he also he also told me to read this and I got the audiobook and I got to I I think he 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 got the copper key, and he went into the copper gate, and he started having to recite all of War
0: Games, and I went, eh, I could take or leave and this book. And then you read a little further and got to his uh, treatise on masturbation, and... No,
1: this was... That that was the end. <laughs> I uh, i found something <laughs> better to do, you. and I Lucky moved on. You. But then I decided, you know, after reading The Mountains of Madness and Twilight, you know... It's time to time to give Ben one.
0: <laughs> this is so much worse than either the mountains of madness or <laughs> twilight. Like it you can't even tell me, like it is it is faster paced, I guess. But Yes, that so I, I was thinking about
1: like I enjoyed parts of this more than Twilight. The part where he's playing was It was the pacing. No, the it was where just he's the playing pacing. Pac-Man Shit was actually for three hours. happening. <laughs> Yeah. it's the part where he's playing Black Tiger. It's, it's about as interesting hours. to read. Yeah, it's as interesting to read as it is for us to just talk about it. Like, ah, he, he played Joust. It was really intense. The screen was full of Joust things, birds or whatever. And it came down to a pixel perfect finish.
0: Mm. Yeah. Now I suspect, I suspect, first, I want to say this. If you're a person who has only seen the film, I want you to know right now, I know enough about the film to tell you that the film is completely different from the book. Please keep in mind, we are talking about the book. I suspect Stephen King and the two other screenwriters fixed this. You mean Spielberg? Who did I say? You said Steven Stephen, Stephen Spielberg, the other famous Steven. The movie has nothing to do with the f-ing book except the very beginning and the very end.
1: I guess I should also say one thing. Stephanie Myers, Sarah Fine,
0: Jay Key, kind of Peter Peter Klein's Peter and... Kleins, I apologize. You have you have moved yeah, up and, several and... notches <laughs> on this podcast roster. <laughs>
1: I was going to say, you know what, <laughs> I don't think you're bad people, even if maybe I didn't care for in your In fact, work. their
0: names are similar, and I have gone out of my way every time I speak about this, not to say Klein's or Peter. It is Ernest Klein who is responsible for this, and I will never forget that. So you want want me to just dive right in? You You dive in, and I will interrupt frequently. That is the format. That's perfect. So let's
1: let's set the groundwork for Ready Player One. Why bother? He didn't.
0: Us, <laughs> us, because we're better than that. I can safely say <laughs> we're better. It's than the future. That. It sucks when I want it to. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, so Ray Player One, it it takes place in the future. The 2040-somethings.
0: Only 19 short years from now.
1: (laughs) Yes, it's a supposedly epic quest with world-changing stakes. So in the year 2040-whatever, eccentric, mentally ill, friendless billionaire James Halliday has invented a VR machine that draws images directly onto your retina that has taken the world by a storm. And the real world, I guess it went to shit decades ago, like right now, the present, with mass unemployment and poverty, a great recession that's spanning decades, I'm pretty sure that's just a depression at that point, uh, energy depletion where, like, all the fossil fuels are gone, and nuclear war. Yeah. And I guess that's used to explain that Nobody wanted to be in the real world, so they just jumped right into the virtual world with all that energy that they don't have laying around. Yeah, I'll
0: tell you right, right off the bat, we're setting the stage for like a tone which I can only describe as plausible deniability. Of He joke, like, he says very glibly, and this is first person from. Uh, the main character, Wade's perspective. So Wade says very glibly, whole city, like, we tuned into the news each morning to see which city went up in a mushroom cloud today. Like, that's the kind of war that's going on, but, like, he also says it so glibly that, like, maybe it's not happening. (laughs) But if it is...
1: They, they never mention radiation, and the U.S. government has collapsed, but also hasn't collapsed, because it still has a welfare state in place.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, he, he might have went a little overboard on the dystopia, which, th- that's a very minor complaint compared to what we're going to get into, but it, it's just...
1: Yeah, but I guess I should point out, as we're recording the Midwest, they're (laughs) having rolling blackouts where in order to conserve energy they are powering down parts of the power grid for hours at a time. So I might lose power here. And we are in an age without nuclear war and with fossil fuels. And we still, I'm not going to get unlimited access to the internet.
0: So I guess this is worth talking about a little bit in that By itself, having this, like, setting that isn't technically possible. People aren't going to be, like, especially the the ultra-poor, are not going to be hanging out in fancy virtual reality machines while cities are going up in mushroom clouds. It's just not going to happen. I can forgive that. It's fine if you want to just have, like, a wacky tone where it's like, everything's really shitty. It's, how shitty is it? Like... (laughs) If you want to have that wacky tone, keep it kind of light, sarcastic, and funny. Okay, do that. And that that would be a good fit for a, a book like this. But the tone also oscillates wildly between glib sarcasm and uh, horrifying peaks into self-isolation and major depression.
1: That's actually worse. <laughs> <laughs> that, that stuff is actually way worse than the, like... Oh, there was a major city that was evaporated today. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's a there's a horror story in we'll, here as you pointed out. We'll get out. to it. I
0: didn't mean to interrupt you. I just wanted to point out like keep in mind that there's there's a tonal problem right off the bat.
1: Yeah, and we and we can talk about how uh the complete lack of employment later as well. Shut up, we're moving on. Let me also point out that the oasis, that's the uh That's the VR machine that Halliday invented. Um, It's repeatedly called addicting, and it comes off like it's a drug. And five years prior to the story, James Halliday mercifully dies. But he leaves this message to everyone in the Oasis that he's leaving his multi-billion dollar fortune and control of the Oasis to whatever random asshole can find three keys and an Easter egg he programmed into the Oasis, which you can only find by loving the things that he loved, which happens to be 1980s nostalgia. He then leaves a cryptic clue that nobody can figure out for five years except Ben, who immediately figured it out.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess it does help to know who the main character is because Ernest Klein really... Hammers home where that egg is gonna be. But I can tell you, like we've we've mentioned this before. This is Ernest Klein's first book, first published work of any kind. Before this he actually had a screenplay made into an indie movie, but as far as literature goes, this is the first one, and I think he said at one point that it took him nine years to write this. You can tell the first third of the book he was kicking around for a long time. The remaining two-thirds probably were written relatively quickly by comparison.
1: Yes. Yeah, it definitely feels that way. It's a good point. We also said that this future, this 2040s future, it feels like it's the 2040s of the 80s. Yes. It does not feel like he wrote this recently. Like, if he told me, that this was written in the 1980s, or at least the outline or the first draft was, I would believe you.
0: If I were to sit down and point out every logical contradiction in this book, that would be all we talk about for the next three months. We've got the environment has totally collapsed and cities are going up in smoke, but everybody can spend all day in a VR thing. We've got the Oasis is a benevolent open source software product made by the great humanitarian James Halliday. But despite being open source and nearly free, James Halliday is also the richest man on the planet and GSS, the company that he used to make the Oasis, is the wealthiest company on earth. And... Other people who want to make money using the Oasis, they're 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 bad.
1: Yeah, they're they're bad because they'll monetize this thing that's already monetized pretty heavily.
0: Yeah, they're they're going to monetize it more. It's so that's that's kind of a contradiction. It's just there, there's rolling blackouts, but Wade can somehow pedal a bicycle for fifteen minutes and charge a heater, his phone, the Oasis console, and whatever else he's got hanging around. They've got that technology, but somehow there's still a power crisis. It it doesn't it doesn't
1: add up. Can we say that this is a pretty blatant author insert?
0: Yeah, Wade is okay. a blatant author insert, and that is concerning because Wade is also one of the worst human beings I've ever encountered in fiction. <laughs> the what he's going for here is is a kind of like like his comment on the great recession he's he's very near to to touching on like some actual social commentary there because they did call it the great recession even though it was like bordering on a depression and his his thing with the food vouchers there's an actual like real problem in in like modern american poverty where you can get food stamps or snap benefits and they to make them go as far as they can you're not going to want to buy a lot of fresh fruit and and good like high quality protein you're going to want to maximize with like mac and cheese and spaghettios and things like that that are relatively cheap but filling so that leads to the the kind of poverty where you have kids who can't really afford enough to eat, but also are overweight, like malnourished, obese people. But, um, that doesn't really make sense here.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a lot of reasons why it doesn't make sense.
0: Like, that's a that's a complicated problem of of a very specific collision of forces that would have fallen utterly apart in the event of nuclear war. Yes. You would be given rations. You wouldn't be sent... <laughs> But again, like, that's so petty compared to... If that were all that was wrong with the book, I wouldn't have given that big spiel at the beginning.
1: Yeah, I could overlook that. Like, you you mentioned early when you started reading it, like, the trailer stacks, which... Okay, Wade lives in a trailer park where they stacked a bunch of trailers on top of each other. And you're like, that's really dumb because of all the... All the all the ways that it would take to actually make that reality makes it way more expensive than just like building a small high rise. It's a lot easier to just
0: build cheap modular homes, but go, no, go on. (laughs) Yes.
1: But, but I was like, you know what? I can forgive that. I can suspend my disbelief for that. Oh yeah. And move on. Like I said, that's that's not even an issue compared to a lot of this stuff. Yeah.
0: I kind of knew what he was going for with that, but it didn't quite land and he didn't really spend enough time developing it. Slight I think
1: I think that we're supposed to view Wade as the lovable underdog. He doesn't have a lot of resources, but damn it, he's trying.
0: Well, and for that first third, he's not lovable, but he is an underdog. And so you you are kind of rooting for Wade in that first third. And only that first uh, yeah, third. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh,
1: jeez. All right. So let me talk about his name is his full name is Wade Watts. I guess also his middle name is like Owen. So it's his initials are wow. Never mind that. So Wade Watts got his name because his dad wanted him to have a cool superhero alliterative name. His dad, by the way, uh, died trying to loot a supermarket during a blackout and his mom OD'd on drugs. So Wade is living with his shitty aunt and her, her revolving door of abusive boyfriends. So he's the, he's the underdog of all underdogs. He's living in a trailer stack. And then he goes on some weird rant about
0: religion for no reason. (laughs) I would, I would actually like to, to to pause and, and read some of that. Hang on. Let me, uh, I've got to get into character. (laughs) I wish someone had just told me the truth right up front. As soon as I was old enough to understand it, I wish someone had just said, Here's the deal, Wade. You're something called a human being. That's like a really smart kind of animal. Like every other animal on this planet, we're descended from a single-cell organism that lived millions of years ago. And this happened by a process called evolution. You'll learn more about that later, but trust me, that's how we all really got here. There's proof of it everywhere, buried in the rocks. That story you heard about how we're all created by a super powerful dude named God who lives up in the sky. That's total bullshit.
1: Does God live in the sky? Oh no, but that was where I put is, down is that... <laughs> that was where I put
0: down the book the first time. I, I'll be honest with you, even if I was sixteen, I would have found that pretentious. Well, speaking of pretentious it, it's like one Wade of those... goes to <laughs> it's, it's just like what did that have to do with anything? Why did, why did we go on a random... There's no point to that,
1: okay? And it's worse because the only person in the entire world who cares about Wade is a deep, deeply religious woman. It's like, <laughs> yeah,
0: do you have to I be an asshole that.
1: to the only person who cares about yeah, you? Yeah, because I
0: remember the, the first time I read it, I was like, wait, wait. So when between... Getting shot, getting his dad shot to death, and his mom OD'ing, Did someone take Wade to Sunday school? That he was that he was overburdened. Like like Wade had some ultra religious upbringing that he's rebelling against.
1: Yeah, uh, th- it doesn't serve a purpose and doesn't come up again. But this is I th- is this where you called him a pizza cutter, all edge and no point? <laughs> yes, yes, that is where I
0: said that. <laughs>
1: oh. Yep, and that's pretty accurate. There's there's <laughs> no
0: point to this weird god aside. And like y'all know me. Y'all know I, I inhabit a douche philosophy corner like like six weeks out of the year. I'm familiar with the god is dead argument. I'm not offended by it or anything. It's like I've just never heard it worded this douchey. <laughs> 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 oh, my god. Uh, oh. By the way, there's no Santa Claus or Easter Bunny. Also bullshit. Sorry, kid. Deal with it. Oh, truth bombs.
1: If Santa's not real, where did Santa Nate
0: come from, Ben? It's like, you could say God isn't real and you don't get hit by lightning. (gasps) Oh my goodness. So ostensibly the book Ready Player One is being written by Wade in the future Tell you how he won the contest. And for some reason, he decided the story started with the development of life on Earth.
1: (laughs) Well, everything in history led up to that moment where he won
0: the contest. Right? (laughs) That's objectively true, Ben. I guess it is. Go on. (laughs) I stand corrected. I'm the jerk.
1: Wade... He attends a a school in the Oasis and he just crafts a killer your bomb joke before muting a bully. He wears default avatar clothing because he's poor, but like no one else seems to. So I guess I guess there's enough money to buy skins in game.
0: Alright, I got one more thing I need to say about the God thing. <laughs> 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 Hang on. No, yeah, because I was just I was just scrolling through my notes and I, I happened to stumble upon like another another like core problem of the book that I didn't realize started this early. So Wade has just told us how like the world is ending really ended and God is dead and he's like basically kid, what all this means is that life is a lot tougher than it used to be in the good old days. Back before you were born, things used to be awesome. (sighs) So, that I I want to point out right there that this is like a fundamental flaw in the book that that is going to continue to enrage me for the rest of the book. As both Ernest Klein and Wade Watts fail to connect that things were awesome in the past. Because they used resources in a very unsustainable way. And much of that, um, actually, can be traced back to the 80s. Yeah, but like,
1: the Atari 2600, do you remember that?
0: Yeah. Wasn't that cool? That was definitely not consumerist trash. Anyway, so he goes to school on, a, on an Oasis planet, and he uh, he's, he's, a, he's a lyrical wordsmith genius. Go on.
1: Yeah, he's a lyrical wordsmith genius. He named his avatar Parzival, and Wade actually can't leave school planet called Ludus. Ludus? I don't give a fuck. I'm moving on. He can't leave this planet because it costs money to teleport, like real-world currency. Actually, that's another point that will come up later. This... The Oasis, Oasis is f- currency filled with
0: microtransactions. Oh, sorry.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. It's filled with microtransactions that use real world money, and in fact, this is one of the most stable currencies on the planet, apparently, which has so many there's so many problems that come up because of that later on.
0: I will point out I don't hate the design of the Oasis. I think the Oasis itself, as as a VR software, is okay. And I, you pointed that out earlier in our discussions. Is that the Oasis game? It, it's neat. It's a neat idea. It's not unique. Though, th- like, that's the one thing I would I would point out, like, especially if you're into, like... Yeah, in,
1: in our discussions, uh, you said that the real game-changing tech was the stuff from the second book, which is the sword art online transport your body into the digital world stuff.
0: Well, I said that before we got into, like, full-blown, like, haptic suits with three-dimensional treadmills. I guess that, like, having that in your living room is a big improvement on what we've got today. But Wade's initial... VR headset is kind of just like an Oculus with haptic gloves. But no, like the software is cool, it's just not that unique an idea. Like if you if you've watched anime, you know that there's 50,000 light novels and manga and anime about like this kind of exact concept. Only they usually wind up getting stuck in there, which that, that's ready player 2. So I was trying to be nice. I was trying to say, like, a thing I didn't hate. I I don't hate the game design of the Oasis.
1: Well, do you hate the next part where uh, Wade does a whole lot of exposition early on and he mentions the evil multinational corporation IOI, which is pronounced IOI, by the way. Thank you. Thank you Ernest, for telling me that. I would have pronounced it like eO or something. Um,
0: yeah I mean I don't want so I, I don't want to repeat myself too much because I, I kind of already covered like GSS makes money on the Oasis, but are you sure it's not pronounced just but for some reason, Wade acts like the Oasis is free and open source it's not. It's neither of those even though
1: things. he can't travel off of the student planet because he doesn't have money.
0: Well, it's not open source. It's it's licensed. It's exclusively owned by GSS. You can't just go make your own Oasis. No one does that in the book. No one has access to the Oasis source code in the book. All the Oasis actually is is a video game with a generous suite of modding tools. Um, So I guess maybe Ernest Klein confused um, uh, something. He doesn't know what open source is. Yeah, I think he confused something being moddable for being open source. Open source, if you don't know, is both like literally the source code is open to you and also it's a license of use it and mod it however you want. Uh, so, if the Oasis were open source, we we wouldn't really be having this contest. GSS probably would have just shut down the Oasis servers and booted up new servers without Halliday's malware in them. And because <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah, I mean, it's it's shutting down. It's the world economy is tied up in this machine. Like we're not having fucking Easter egg hunts in here. I don't know, but again, that's a conceit. I will allow the book. I just wanted to point out, it's not open source. GSS makes money on it. It's a huge contradiction that, that's brought up again and again. And also, the words multinational conglomerate are thrown around with, with such venom. Multinational conglomerate equals evil. But that's what GSS is. It's not some little indie startup. Like, The Oasis is multinational. It used to be man. Yeah, it used to be man because he. I-, I don't know why being a multinational corporation is bad. Like, in Wade's exposition, he's kind of giving this. What he says, like, the context, like, his actual words, they don't make a lot of sense. But the vague meaning they're trying to convey is that those who look for Halliday's Easter egg can be separated into like corporate hackers and indie like white hat hackers. spirited
1: hackers. Well, the
0: thing is in the early internet, there, there was very much a culture of, for lack of better words, political anarchy. And I mean that in not like a chaotic sense, but in a, we don't need rules, make all information free and we will find a way to communally live and mutually benefit one another, but we'll each just make our cool stuff and we'll share it and it'll be great. And then corporations come in and they start putting the data behind walls and they start putting all the tools behind walls and making people pay for them. And then information is not free anymore, man. And you're ruining the internet. And Like, that's the vibe Klein is trying to channel, but Klein doesn't seem he, he, instead of studying hackers of the past, which he name drops a few and like the captain crunch thing is, is kind of probably the biggest one. I don't think Klein was super into that culture as it was happening. He just read about it later. So, he, he tries to put that kind of culture onto, like, gamers, and oh boy, does that not fit. Like, some of those people played video games, but they weren't... The, the Gunters are much more modern-day gamers than they are, like, phone freaks or hackers.
1: Gunters are the... It's the fancy name for egg hunter for anyone who didn't read the book. So, you know all that spiel that Ben just said, it doesn't matter, man, cuz there's an evil multinational conglomerate called IOI that wants to monetize the oasis more, I guess. The the most and successfully
0: like... monetized product on the planet.
1: Yeah. They uh they provide internet services to the vast majority of the world.
0: It's okay though, because the Oasis is open source, so you can just go make your own.
1: So IOI, though, they're they're evil, Ben. They're evil. They're they're just pure evil. They are cartoonishly evil, in fact. And you know what? There's a guy, he he has an entire egg hunting team inside of IOI called the Sixers, because they for some reason, all their avatars are, like, dressed in suits and their names start with a six and then a bunch of other... He he uh, started with numbers. Sucksores
0: and worked backwards.
1: Oh, okay. Well, way to ruin that clever punchline, Ben. The Sucksores. Because they suck.
0: So for anyone born after 1985... <laughs> Leet speak was a thing where you would replace letters with numbers and spell th- things with X's and Zs where there were no Xs and Zs before. Um it was cringe then and it's cringier now. So like I knew people who in real life pronounced the word Pwn. <laughs> And I got major pwn vibes from this. And um, yeah, let's just move on.
1: We're introduced to Wade's best friend H, spelled A E C H, but he's very helpful in telling us how that's pronounced, like the letter H.
0: I'm gonna th- like this is a young adult. Is it? Is this a young adult book? <laughs> Okay, real quick before we go any further. Who do you think this book is for? What is the age group he's targeting? Because, like, my theory, I guess, is that like this is the 2040s as imagined in the 1980s, this book is for a 15-year-old in 1980.
1: Yeah, yes, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, where are we? Oh, yeah, H. Yeah. Wade is uh, He's invited into a chat room called The Basement, which is a 1980s wood-paneled basement with a bunch of arcade games and shit. Specifically... Where H and all of his friends hang
0: specifically out. Specifically Halliday's basement.
1: Oh, yeah, it is. They... <sighs> is now the appropriate time to get into this? He keeps saying that you know he's he's looking at all this 80s nostalgia and he's it's studying and i guess in a world where billions of dollars are at stake that's fine oh dude
0: but i hate like okay i like 80s nostalgia like from the computer side of it like i actually do think the early internet culture is, is very interesting to read about i don't give a f- about the music like I think Rush is okay I'm sorry don't crucify me I don't like John Hughes I like Ferris Bueller's Day Off I guess but I don't like any of the Molly Ringwald stuff and I don't care about any of this but if you told me
1: I think Atari 2600 kind of sucks there I said it. yeah
0: if you told me that you would give me 240 billion dollars if I memorized this stuff I'll watch as many John Hughes movies as you want.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like... Absolutely. <laughs> however, however, we both kind of feel like that this is written to validate someone in the real world who does this stuff.
0: Well, I'm I'm just saying, pull any kid off a TikTok and sit them in front of an Atari 2600. And after five, no. five minutes, they're going to be like, <laughs> can I go now? <laughs>
1: Dude, I can't even do that. I I Atari 2600 games are primitive as fuck and I feel like the only way you could really like them is if you grew up with them. Yes. Most of the games don't have music. What is there is unrecognizable. It's pixely as all hell. You have to use a lot of imagination to just pretend that they are the things that they are said to be.
0: I can't wait until like whatever the the future equivalent of Ready Player 1 is where it's like I played every flash game on Newgrounds. <laughs> Even the really really pornographic ones. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, no, like the kids in this, they're they're a, they're supposed to be kids, you know, in 2040, yeah. who love the 80s, like they just rediscovered. You are this you stuff.
1: are in you are in a virtual reality where you can go to near limitless planets full of stuff, and you're enamored with the f- 80s. Yeah, you had a good idea for this, where you said. It might have actually worked if they begrudgingly looked into the 80s. Like they're trying like they look into the 80s in the way that an elementary kid would look into math, begrudgingly because they need to get that stupid grade. Can you imagine? That's it.
0: Can you imagine with like the political climate of the of the 2020s? Like let's say Ready Player One just happens 20 years earlier. Some billionaire for his own amusement says i'm gonna throw you a scrap if you just memorize and reenact all my favorite movies do that peasant can you imagine how how idolized that, that person would be <laughs> like, would you be hanging out in his basement for fun <laughs> Or would you be memorizing every detail of his life so that you could more thoroughly burn him to the ground? (laughs) Still not the point where the story breaks. It's just an interesting little bit of, like, lack of imagination. So he meets H in a basement. We gotta move on,
1: man. Yeah, we do. So he meets H in a basement... And they're they're shooting the shit, and then a guy named I Rock comes in. He drops the fag bomb, like I think he calls someone a twink. It's really uncomfortable, okay. and he's just there to make H and Wade like look smarter by comparison.
0: I think it is important to point out that this book was written between two important events, or I'm sorry, it was written before two important events that kind of. Hopefully, have changed geek culture a little bit, and uh, those are the Me Too movement and GamerGate. Like, for example, in 2021, if you didn't know, I will go ahead and tell you now. It is not appropriate to use the three-letter F word. That's not a good word to say. You're not going. What? You're not going to look very smart if you say that. You're not going to look very good if you say that.
1: Well, that's why, that's why it was the straw man, dumbass, I rock who said it. Yeah.
0: But I don't even believe a high school bully in 2040 is just going to jokingly call... Like, ideally, at the pace we're going, by 2040, no one's going to give it a second thought if you were gay. But somehow that's still an insult. The the second thing is twink. I'm guessing there's a there's a subset of our audience that has no fucking clue what that word means. Another subset of our our audience that thinks it refers to a um young lithe hairless gay man. And still another subset of our audience that played wow on release and still remembers yeah. it <laughs> as Uh, An underlevel character that is overgeared and participates in PvP against other underlevel characters. I don't know why, probably homophobia, but for some reason, that very specific concept of gearing out a low-level character to compete against other people who were legitimately just starting the game was called twinking. That is now called smurfing. I don't know how long that's gonna last or if it's still a thing. I I just heard the term pog champ for the first time last night, so I'm elderly. What? What? We don't have time, Nate. So (laughs) okay. (laughs) That's what Ernest Klein I think means when he uses the word twink, which he does way too often. And I think he's using it in the gamer sense. Would have been more common in twenty ten, but it was kinda dying off in twenty ten. But since he started writing in 2001, that word was used very heavily, especially in the World of Warcraft community in 2003 to 2006. Enjoy. Enjoy that knowledge that I have that now you have to have. Huh.
1: Just like this book. Yes. It's all sorts of wade-dropping knowledge. Hey, you know about the Atari game Sword Quest? Well, buckle never up because he
0: talks about it. Wouldn't it be ironic if the, <laughs> like, he and Halliday had actually coded this so that this quest could never be finished? And that would be hilarious. And that was his point uh, about something like, I would do about like why you should go outside because it turns out that this was <laughs> this was impossible the whole time. And <laughs> it's, uh, it's a waste of time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man. Okay, so they're fucking <laughs> around in the basement. They tell rock what a... What an elite noob he is, bro. You didn't use uh, those words
0: correctly.
1: Some... <laughs> ben, I'm old. I'm too old for this shit. Okay.
0: So Iraq is a Halliday Gunter poser? He doesn't yeah. he doesn't know his Halliday history. Oh, by the way, yeah. Wade hates uh God, but he loves Halliday so much that Anorak, Halliday's in game avatar. Oh, God. Anorak wrote an almanac. Anorak's almanac. It kind of doesn't rhyme. He quotes Anorak's almanac, chapter and verse a lot. Uh, ch- literally, yes. chapter and verse, as if it were the Bible, and he refers to it as his personal Bible.
1: Well, that's why God doesn't exist because Anorak supplanted him. Right.
0: You don't. It would be. It would be silly for an adult to. Uh, idolize and worship a bearded man in the clouds right have you seen anorak's avatar
1: yeah he's a bearded man in the machine
0: ben okay again i'm not trying to like take like a christian stance here <laughs> i just find it so douchey yeah and the
1: almanac has everything that uh Halliday loved or liked so wade went and listened and watched to those things Hundreds and hundreds of times, including, like, what was it, family ties? Yes. I I cannot fathom a child right now sitting down and marathoning family ties. But okay, we've got to move on someday, Ben. <laughs> I didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> so there is a lot of exposition around this time including some exposition about some of his classes, one of which is a study of Halliday.
0: That's an elective. It's it's
1: a class all about Halliday. Okay, it's it's an elective. And Wade goes in there, and he realizes he's kind of being an asshole by correcting the teacher and just pointing out trivia that only he'll find interesting. But he does it anyway, despite knowing he is being insufferable and douchey. He's got self awareness about this. Some expositions dropped that they figured out there's some clue in the almanac, and the first, the first key is hidden in the Tomb of Horrors, which is a D and D module. Do you remember D and D, Ben? You re- you remember D and D? Wasn't that wasn't that fun? Wasn't D and D fun, Ben? You remember that D and D?
0: I do. I, I remember that. I yeah, think the I was... Tomb of Horrors got re released, didn't it?
1: it did but we're still playing the 1980s version ben right yeah. don't you fucking bring in that re-release your fifth edition bullshit
0: yeah because we all know like first edition that, that was, was the peak. peak that was peak D&D that was first the pinnacle
1: edition. of dnd
0: okay <laughs> that, it, it's definitely just got to be some weird twist of fate that dnd only recently started getting super popular when they modernized it
1: <laughs> yeah shut up Ben. So Wade is just daydreaming in class, not paying attention because he's a bad student at anything other than 80s nostalgia, and hey, wait a minute. Halliday had this weird limerick that no one figured out, and it starts with, you have much to learn, or it doesn't start with that, but that's in there. And Ben, you figured it out immediately that he probably wanted a student to find it, but it took Wade five years to figure that out, and then Wade almost immediately finds the entrance to the tomb by doing a scan of the planet for anything that looks like the tomb of
0: horrors yeah i do want to talk about though how like or i just want to throw this out there. wade rightly concludes that halliday wanted a, a student to find it a, a child and it's it's also pretty easy to imagine in this lawless world of mushroom clouds and i don't know stacked trailers that People would probably kill for $240 billion. (laughs) Yeah. I want a child to be on the front line of that.
1: Yeah, that child would be uh, destroyed. Probably torn apart. Literally. Yeah. Torn apart. like
0: Possibly tortured to death for their knowledge.
1: Good job, Halliday. But yeah, that sounds like a guy I would worship. How about you?
0: There, there, there is no scenario in which I would not think Halliday was a monster, and that the people who were obsessed with him were fucking loser sellouts.
1: Well, Ben, perhaps when we get further into the podcast, we'll change your mind with some of that hot Halliday knowledge. Perhaps so. Let's so let's talk about Wade entering the tomb, and this is where I can try to convey to you how Klein kind of he does kind of a poor job of like making anything feel tense or interesting because he's, he's in this tomb and it's like, it's got all kinds of traps and monsters, but it's read to you kind of like how I'm reading to you right now. Like you you can't really get anything in your mind. Like, Oh, and then I, and then I found my way to the throne room. Well, the
0: tension is supposed to be that Wade's character is level one. And so if Wade encounters any combat, in this dungeon, he's going to die. So you know... But
1: he brings up the module in his HUD and he just navigates around all the danger. The end.
0: Yeah, I mean, he can't fight. We we were told that at the beginning. So if there is fighting to be done, Wade's just going to die and start over.
1: Yeah, there's a weird permadeath system in this where you die, you lose all your level and all your gear and your place on the scoreboard. Some poor game design.
0: Why is there a scoreboard? Right, but like why do they have like It doesn't really matter how many points you get. Ben, that is that is the
1: definition of every 80s game ever. It doesn't matter how many points you get, but like you can write ass on your scoreboard. <laughs> is
0: there a scenario in which one could not find like the last key first but still have more points than the- No.
1: No, you can't get...
0: You can't right, get it right. out of order. But, like, you could have so many points that whoever found the last key doesn't have enough points to win.
1: No, there isn't. Because if you get the egg, you win by default. Sir Wade... Sir Wade enters the throne room and he finds the lich. And he's like, oh my god, the lich isn't supposed to be there. I don't... I don't... I can't fight this guy. Like, I, I found this gear in this tomb, but this lich is gonna fucking kill me. And... Oh, no, he wants to play joust. Okay. Joust, by the way, if you didn't know, it's like balloon fight, except worse.
0: Is it any wonder that Steven Spielberg just threw this part out entirely?
1: Yeah, it's not even interesting to read about. Because they're like, yeah, and we had a joust fight, two out of three. And like, I decided to face him on the left side instead of the right because I played better on the left side. And uh, I... and I played I played my friend H a whole bunch of times, so I was a joust master. Pause. And and then it came down to a piss a pixel perfect fucking finish. Go on, Ben.
0: Get used to that last bit. I don't know what the challenge is going to be. I have no way to know what the challenge is going to be. And then as soon as I see what the challenge is, thank God I already know everything there is to know about <laughs> that thing. I've been studying this for five years. Yeah, and so has everybody else. And they had more
1: money to do it. But not the Sixers.
0: They cheat. Well, and this is the other thing. Like... It's not in the spirit of Halliday's contest. Halliday wanted a pure virgin soul who was just like him <laughs> to win the key. Who the f*** cares what Halliday wanted? You're living in squalor in a world that doesn't care about you. Do what it takes. <laughs> yeah. Just get yours, Wade. Yeah, Wade. <laughs>
1: Wade talks about how he's a solo gunter. He doesn't join a clan because he's a pure gunter. It's like
0: dude nerd. Like nobody deserves to get beaten up, but like you could make it harder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 oh. And can we talk about how everyone ex- like like everyone is supposed to be poor, right? Like most of humanity, like 9 But Wade is the most but poor. But only Wade doesn't have money. Like, everyone else has a reasonable amount of money, except well, Wade.
1: he Well, well, okay, I, I think that Ernest covers this, okay? When he says that um, there are tons of homeless and there's no jobs. Oh, wait, no, that actually, sorry, that actually helps your point.
0: Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, he does mention there's, like, a two-year waiting list to be employed at, like, fast food chains, but... Everybody can afford cool Oasis swag except Wade. Wade is literally described as like... He, he He's like... Yeah, I can't believe I'm going to indulge this, but it's the Willy Wonka factor <laughs> where Charlie's broke and he can't afford any chocolate bars, but he's going to be the one to win the contest because he's got the most heart. Except Wade is an asshole. At least... At least Charlie was a likable
1: fellow, and he wins that contest because he is a likable fellow. That's
0: the thing. He wins the contest because he's pure of heart. Wade wins the contest because he's the biggest loser.
1: (laughs) Yeah? Yep. It's because he, dude, he has an entire, like, paragraph, if not more, dedicated to, like, Oh, yeah, it was definitely more like, oh, I, I I read all of these. I read every Star or I watched every Star Wars movie. First the originals, then the prequels, in that order. And then I watched all the Simpsons. I knew Springfield more than I knew my own town.
0: Oh, and, but here's, here's the other thing, though. He's not even the Best Halliday Scholar. Artemis beats him to two of the keys. Three of the keys. Oh, yeah. Well, that (laughs)
1: that segues into where we're going now. So as Wade is leaving, uh, he's victorious over the Lich in a game of Joust, and he gets the key, which gives him a clue to where the gate is, and he immediately knows where he needs to go. So he's going to get out of this tomb, but on his way out of the tomb, on his way out of the throne room, Artemis... Uh, which is spelled A-R-T-3-M-I-S, but thankfully, Ernest says that it's pronounced Artemis, and people noobs. still call her art 3 Miss. Fucking noobs call her that. <laughs> no one has ever called her that, ever. Like, unless it was in jest. Can we also because... talk about how,
0: like, Artemis and uh, Parzival jerk each other off over the fact that they're both named after... That, or that they both recognize that they're each named after two of the most well-known characters in mythology. Well, it might, it was probably hard for Wade
1: because it was art three, miss.
0: Well, cause, cause Wade is like, ah, oh, Artemis goddess of the hunt. She's like, oh wow. You get that. Not a lot of people do. And it's like, no, they do. They, they all know. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows. What, that. Everybody what are knows you that. talking about? And, and she's like, Parsifal, the one who finds the grail? Oh, huh, not a lot of people get that. You're really smart. It's like yeah, yeah everybody knows that. Everybody knows that. <laughs> 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 oh my god. I thought you didn't like fairy tales, Wade. <laughs> so
1: they so they jerk each other off for a bit. Uh and, Though not
0: as literally as Wade would prefer.
1: And yeah, well, Wade. Wade has been cyber stalking Art Three Miss for quite a while. Uh, Art Three Miss has a blog, and like, she posts all these things about the hunt and like what she's doing, and like Wade. Wade fell in love with her, and now his crush is here.
0: And her prose is fantastic.
1: Yeah, she's a lit she's major. So
0: she's so beautiful probably
1: probably (laughs) her avatar is so beautiful
0: and yeah wade would be heartbroken if if she turns out to be like a 300 pound man named chuck
1: this is a very very specific fantasy that he has about his about his crush art three miss that's that's his dystopian fantasy
0: But it's okay, Nate, because that wouldn't matter to Wade, because they have...
1: It matters right now. No, it doesn't... It's something that doesn't matter later. No, it
0: doesn't matter, Nate, because they're in love, and they have a purely mental connection. And it doesn't matter if she's a hairy man named Chuck.
1: I would love to put that to the test. Ernest should have written Art 3 Miss as a 300-pound hairy man, and just see how the book naturally
0: concludes. Instead of the most, like, generically attractive woman possible... Rubenesque, Rubenesque, sorry, yes By the way, do you know what Rubenesque (laughs) means? Because I had to look it up
1: I had to look it up (laughs) as well I was
0: like, I looked it up and then I was like Oh, yeah, you're kind of a dick (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Oh, She's very, just very slightly chubby Plump (laughs) Like she's fitter than all of us right now talking about it Oh, God. So, yeah,
1: he... Wade... Wade... Wade speeds away as fast as his virtual avatar will run, and he teleports to the Halliday planet, which is... First of all, he got a bunch of money for beating the Lich and gear. And the Halliday planet is a planet with, like, hundreds of simulations of Halliday's neighborhood as a kid because... Ernest Klein doesn't know how instances in an MMO work.
0: And because. <laughs> and because Halliday cares so much about his successor and wanted them to be a child, Wade's name instantly appears at the top of the scoreboard so that everyone can try to kill him.
1: <laughs> oh, it gets better. It gets better. So he goes to Halliday Planet. And uh, he finds Halliday's first video game inside Halliday's room, and he beats that. And when he beats it, a gate appears, and he opens it up with the key, and he finds out that he has to recite War Games from memory, from the beginning to the end. Yep. And and that comes up later, and I'm just gonna bring. I'm just gonna say it now. It's Monty Python: The Holy Grail. He does the
0: same thing twice.
1: And it's not, it's not cool, and it's annoying for everyone else, and you're actively ruining media for everyone else by reciting it line for line. Fucking stop it!
0: I read an interview with Ernest Cline where he was like, he's like, he's like, as I was writing it, I was wondering, like, you can't just do that, can you? You can't just have like Ultraman fight Mechagodzilla. I was afraid I was just writing glorified fan fiction. You are. But then I submitted it to publishers and there was a bidding war. It's like, yeah, yeah, life isn't fair. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
1: That's that's real true, Ernest. (laughs) That is is the takeaway message here.
0: But because America's copyright laws don't give a shit what you write in a book, you win. It would be really weird if the person who
1: constantly talks about how bad it is to sell out, like, Sold out really hard. I tell
0: you what's an interesting concept to me? And I want to be clear here. I don't really even like the idea of copyright. I think at like a bare minimum copyright should last the life of the author and then expire. I don't want more copyright. But I do think it's interesting that the book as written, if you took it, and animated it or filmed it and used the images of the thing that he's talking about, that would be a blatant violation of fair use and you would be sued and hit with a cease and desist. But if you write it in a book and rely on your readers to conjure the images of that very same thing, that's, that's fair use. For some reason, Steven Spielberg had to make basically an entirely different movie because there was no fucking way he was going to get the rights to all this shit. So he had to work with the rights to things he already had and had to use a bunch of different pop culture nonsense. But you can write whatever you want in a book. Hooray.
1: Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. So let's, let's get back to Wade, how he recites several lines of dialogue from War Games to pad out the running time. And Wade then goes on to say that this type of game was copyrighted by GSS and they immediately made a whole bunch of other movie games like this that everyone loved. So first of all, they copyrighted something, which is bad from Wade's perspective, but I guess since it's GSS, it's okay. Yeah, so Wade Wade gets a bunch of arbitrary points and he's still top of the scoreboard so that He can be targeted by a bunch of sponsors, and he can immediately sell out to whoever the fuck comes along so that he can make a quick buck. But that's okay, man.
0: Advertising's still a lucrative business in this post-apocalypse because people apparently have money to buy things.
1: (laughs) They have food vouchers to trade. Yeah,
0: they Uh. have food vouchers to trade for skins for their Oasis avatar.
1: It's Maslow's hierarchy of needs, I'm pretty sure. Oasis skins is at the bottom of that.
0: But Wade is very careful to negotiate his contracts with his avatar because he doesn't want anybody to know where he actually lives because he's smart. So he gets a clue
1: for where the Jade Key, the next one, is. But don't worry about that. It's going to take him six months and an entire other part of the book. That's a podcast away. We're not even going to bother about that. So Wade... Art3Miss, H, and two Japanese guys who are named after Swords also found the key and got the gates, and they're collectively known as the High Five. Do you get it? Do you get it, Ben? The High Five. They're the highest-scoring five. Do you get it? And then, uh, after Wade sells out like as hard as he can, he gets a message from... Sixer, I'm sorry, Suxor's leader, Nolan Sorrento, with IOI, who wants to offer Wade a job. And they go to some chat window thing that's never used again, where Wade's avatar isn't physically
0: there. Do you want to make this one a skit? Okay, yeah, I guess I'll take the meeting with Nolan, but I'm I'm not going to do it. I just want to hear what he has to say. What's up, Sucksor?
1: Ah, good evening, Wade. Or, sorry, ah, uh, good evening, Parzival. Because I don't know your Wade. <laughs> I forget I said that. Yeah, good evening.
0: <laughs> nah.
1: <laughs> ah, you're so, you're so clever. I, that's why, that's why I've asked you here. Here at the IOI headquarters. Look around. Look how fantastic everything is. Yeah, I mean, it's all right. It's
0: not as good as my planet, but it's all right. That's, you know what, that's fair. Let's go to my digital office. I mean, it's not as good as my digital office, but I guess it's all all right, I mean.
1: All right, Wade. You're a fantastic player, first of all. Big fact. Real go-getter. Damn straight. And we at IOI, we want that kind of talent on board. So we're prepared to offer you $50 million to work with us and $25 million in benefits for the rest of your life, per year.
0: Yeah, nah. Nah, I mean, like, I could get, like, $240 billion if I if I just don't, so. Yeah,
1: that was kind of a really shitty offer. Uh, I don't know why I made it. But, you know what? How about, how about a second offer? How about, in exchange for helping us get the Copper Key, we slip you a cool five million. All you have to do
0: is show us where to get the key and where to get the gate. Whoa. Five million dollars. Zach Morris, time out. Look at the camera. (laughs) I am almost considering this. That's a pretty good deal. I mean, after all, five people already got the copper key. I could get a cool five mil, but then I'd be giving the Sixers even more of a head start. Time in. No deal. Sucks, or did did you just make a save by the bell reference? Is that is that what that was? Yeah, that's how advanced I am in Halliday knowledge. Did you know Halliday's uh, favorite save by the bell was the college years, and I watched it all seventy thousand times.
1: All right, kid, I'm just gonna cut to. I know Jay. Slater's uh, ass better live. than the
0: back of my hand. <laughs> we.
1: We know your name is Wade. We know where you live, and we've got bombs rigged to your trailer. You're gonna fucking tell me where that copper key is, or I'm gonna blow you to shit. Shit, you know. Here's a live
0: video feed of your trailer. Oh, Zach Morris, timeout. <laughs> so, <laughs> fortunately, he doesn't know that I know that I actually live in a van down by the river sometimes, and I'm not actually in the trailer right now. That's just my shitty aunt. And, like, dozens of other people who live below her. But, you
1: know... <laughs> including, including that religious woman that we see you talk to from time to time. Okay,
0: so, like, time back in. So, like, what are you saying, man? What, what are you going to do with that? Okay, so you know where I live. Okay, so basically,
1: here, here are your options. You show us where the copper key is, and we give you $5 million. Or you essentially spend $5 million to have me blow up your aunt's trailer and also a bunch of innocent people.
0: Oh you know uh, Zach Morris timeout you know i'm okay I've hit the button I can't think of a single fucking good reason why he wouldn't just kill me anyway
1: wow what a s what a solid what a solid move that kid sure showed me how he coolly logged out of this simulation it's a shame that he and definitely everyone in that trailer are definitely dead from this bomb, unless he is, like,
0: somewhere else. <laughs> well, <laughs> at least I don't have $5 million.
1: Yeah, $5 million <laughs> well spent. <laughs> and then
0: they and then, immediately get the copper key. <laughs> yeah, they
1: immediately get the key anyway. <laughs>
0: Time to go to the center of technological civilization. That's right, Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> yes, that's where uh, GSS,
1: but also IOI, are located. Because I don't, I don't know if you know this, Ben, but uh, Ernest Klein was born in
0: Ohio. I genuinely don't give a fuck. Also, I'm going to take, like, my little Mad Max electric scooter bus there. And for (laughs) some reason, this bus has a worse electric motor than currently available technology.
1: Well, you know, maybe they have to stop every now and then to ride a little bicycle to charge the battery. You don't know that.
0: Yeah, no. And then they get to Columbus, and, like, it's surrounded by massive solar and wind plants that could probably power everything, and I don't know why there's an energy crisis?
1: Well, there isn't an energy crisis, but he says there is. So maybe he's just dumb. Maybe that's the thing. Wade was like, we ran out of fossil fuels, and there was no way to replace them.
0: Because Wade, Wade and Artemis have a little conversation when they meet up. art 3 miss yes. Yeah, I told you that. That's gonna get old. <laughs> it's already gotten old. Should I switch to Min3Nerva? <laughs> <laughs> well you know about that god yeah we're fucking in sync yeah so they have a little conversation and and artemis is like wait what would you do with the money if you win and he's like um actually i haven't thought about it but i was thinking i would build a nuclear-powered interstellar spacecraft and I would construct it in Earth's orbit and I'd stock it with a lifetime supply of food and water and a self-sustaining biosphere and a supercomputer loaded with every movie, book, song, video game, and piece of artwork that human civilization has ever created, along with a standalone copy of the Oasis. And then I'd invite a few of my closest friends, which I don't have, and we would all go along with a team of scientists and doctors and get the hell out of Dodge and look for another Earth-like planet. And Artemis... Says to that brilliant plan. I was actually thinking that maybe I'd take the money and I'd solve world hunger, and then we'd sit down and have a serious conversation about how to fix the art, uh, the environment. To which Wade says, (laughs) You fucking dumb idiot. You fucking stupid (laughs) moron. You think you just write a $240 billion check and solve all the problems of the world. The world's fucking over loser. You dumb idiot. And she's like, I'm going to marry that guy someday. She's like, I know it's a long shot, but I'm going to give it a (laughs) chance. And I want to point out like this right here. I I had to put down the book again because in any normal conversation, Artemis would have pointed out that NASA spent like $240 billion sending two people to the moon. You moron. You're not building any interstellar spacecraft. First off, my plan is far more economically practical than yours. Second, it helps vastly more people. You goddamn moron. And my point is Wade's plan is self it's it's as selfish as it is stupid. Now I think Ernest Klein knows it's selfish, but I don't think he knows it's stupid. As evidenced by the fact that in Ready Player 2, Wade builds that damn ship. And and no <laughs> No, he didn't. <laughs> that, that, you can't. You can't. You can't do it for that price tag. I'm sorry. You especially can't do it for that price tag in a world where there's nuclear wars going on. Somebody's just going to blow up your damn orbital spaceship. Ernest Klein doesn't know that that's impossible. Ernest Klein. I, dare I say, doesn't know what he's talking about. Why? But, like, he, he wants us to think that Wade is selfish and Artemis is noble. He does want us to get that. But he legit doesn't realize that Wade's plan is more far-fetched than Artemis's plan. And, I point this out because... This is going to be the first no it's not even the first, but it's it's the most egregious in a long line of misunderstanding the the media and the technology he is in love with. Ernest Klein doesn't understand the point of war games
1: doesn't yeah, uh yeah, he does hold on, Ben. The point of war games is a really cool Matthew Broderick is a cool hacker man who does cool things and he gets the girl. Yeah.
0: Literally, the most the most memorable line of war games is, huh, it's a strange game. The only way to win is not to play. Which is actually a really good line for this stupid Easter egg hunt. If that were actually Halliday's plan, like if his, if his point was actually, the Oasis might be bad. It, it might be a way for people to ignore their problems, and those problems are going to eventually kill them. I, I think people should spend less time in the Oasis. I think the only way to win is not to play. See, that's why I chose war games for my dumb Easter egg hunt. That's not well, why. Well,
1: that's, 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 that's the ending message that comes out of nowhere that we'll talk about in a few episodes.
0: Ernest Klein, he didn't realize that. That's not why he chose War Games. He chose War Games because he, he thought it was a fun movie. He chose War Games for the same reason he chose Joust, because he remembered it. Hey, I remember Joust. I remember Joust, too. It fucking sucks. I don't even like War Games that much. But, like, if you thought about the meaning of War Games for five seconds... He didn't. He doesn't. Why would Halliday love that movie? We tend to love movies and media that mean something to us.
1: Not in this. You love movies and media because a guy
0: told you to. How many of the references in this book do you think are things Ernest Klein actually even watched?
1: I bet he watched War Games.
0: I'm sure he watched War Games. I bet he played Pac-Man. How into Ultraman do you think Ernest Klein is? Do you find it odd that Halliday, game designer that he is, uh, never mentions Nintendo?
1: I did find it odd that they never mention the NES, which was out in the 80s, Ernest, and superior to the shitty Atari 2600.
0: Just coincidentally, do you know Japan has very strict copyright laws? I wonder. I don't know. I'm not that... I know Ernest Klein isn't that smart, but I bet his publisher is. I don't think you can sell this book in Japan if you reference Nintendo the way you reference Atari. I could be wrong, but I know that Japan, like... Japan doesn't have fair use. Copyrighted material is copyrighted material. You don't use it. That's pretty much how Japan's copyright laws work. And I find it very interesting how few Japanese things are referenced considering in the 80s, Japan was like king of the video games, king of the electronics.
1: Hey, Atari was on top until... 1983, when there was the massive video game collapse and it was no longer the dominant force in video games for most of the 80s,
0: way more kids from the 80s played Nintendo than played Atari. Atari was like absolutely early adopter shit, which I can believe Halliday would have played. I can forgive it all because it's Halliday's particular nostalgia. So we're assuming Halliday was into all these things, but these are like. But he stopped at about 1985. He stopped in 1985, and also, he's into things that like are really contradictory. That like only a few people would really like. How many gamer bros do you know that are into like? I guess like the only band that's really mentioned. Oh, no, that's not the. He's into Rush, but he's into Cindy Lauper. He's, he's into games and, and all that jazz, but he's into John Hughes films. I don't know. I it's it could be. I, I think that's a dumb th- I guess that's a silly thing to get stuck on, but it's like it doesn't seem like there's any theme to Halliday's interests. I guess is where I'm going
1: with this. Uh yeah, there are Ben. The 1980s.
0: I guess, yeah, but why would, like, that's not ben, how
1: people... Ben, we both lived through the 90s. Didn't both of us enjoy exactly the same thing because they were in the 90s? We just enjoyed everything in the 90s? I guess. I mean, you... I'm sure we have identical interests. The argument
0: definitely. is that Halliday is stuck in the... I, I can kind of see this, that Halliday is stuck in the 80s because that was the last time he was happy. But I don't... Halliday was never happy. Don't forget Well, that's kind of the other theme. But like the last time Halliday had... Halliday was happy when he was hanging out with his friends playing D&D. Do you remember D&D? I do, yes. And I think... So that's why Halliday is obsessed with the 80s. Is that – why does he want the guy who's going to inherit the Oasis to understand that? Because he's a fucking loon. (laughs) He
1: fired people from his GSS job. He fired people like he'd randomly quiz an employee about some 80s nostalgia bullshit – And the employee was like, yeah, I don't know who the third cousin of Marge Simpson was. And he's like, well, yeah, you're fired. He's a fucking loon. And maybe he shouldn't have had this much power and wealth (laughs) and influence.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like... He tries to describe Halliday and Morrow as Wozniak and Jobs. Poor Steve Wozniak. Well that's the thing though about Wozniak is like Wozniak was a a very like shy private dude who never really accepted a leadership role in Apple. He just kind of wanted to be an engineer and work on his stuff. And Steve Jobs is the one that that ran away with it. (laughs) It's so weird to me for video game designers to be conflated with jobs and Wozniak. I don't know. I, I guess I'm just, I don't see a lot of similarity between making a video game and making the personal computer. <laughs> like the, the, the Oasis of course is much more broadly applicable than just a video game, but and so,
1: that's not how Wade looks at it.
0: But the Oasis is portrayed as, like, that—that that is a world-changing invention. But, like... You're going you're gonna to kill me
1: over some video game contest, man?
0: Oh, yeah, I do. I forgot about that line. You're going to kill me over a video game contest. No, I'm going to kill you over $240 billion. Does that... And
1: control of the most yeah. lucrative technological advancement in this shitty world. Yeah, yeah. does yeah. that
0: compute to you, Wade? Yeah. <laughs> Like, maybe if if your buddy Halliday had actually open-sourced his tech, we wouldn't be having this conversation. But because he's a selfish asshole, just like the rest of us, we're going to do this now? We're going to throw down? (laughs) Because he basically arranged a pit fight between the greatest companies on the planet and children? Like, I don't want to have to kill you, Wade. Halliday is the one that involves you in this, is what Sorrento should have said. Like if Sorrento's a villain, okay, it would still be villainous for Sorrento to kill a mustache
1: twirling yeah. villain, yes. But
0: it would still be it would still be evil for Sorrento to kill try to kill Wade no matter what. But he could point out quite rightly that I don't want anything to do with high school kids, Wade. If it were up to me, you'd still be sitting in class enjoying your life. But no, but that
1: would make him nuanced he has it, to be an evil mustache twirling it doesn't Nazi really VR man. it
0: doesn't really make him nuanced it's just a way of like using him as a mouthpiece to tell your audience halliday is nuanced well that's that's the problem
1: they do not want to make halliday the bad guy even though he is the villain of this piece
0: but we have to talk about, it, I guess, because people are going to point out that obviously he does make Wade a piece of shit and Halliday a piece of shit in Ready Player Two, as if that's what he was, if that's what he meant to do all along. But there's no way.
1: It'd be weird if the person who wrote all this stuff about anti sellout culture was a huge sellout and wrote a sequel because some movie executives he, and Steven he, Spielberg told him he is to. He's
0: dying to work with Steven again, who he calls by his first name.
1: Uh, Yeah, I think the moral of the story is also maybe Klein shouldn't have this much power, wealth, and influence.
0: I hate to say it, and I have agonized about whether or not to say this on the podcast, but I'm just going to do it. This book does not deserve its success. Any book we have read on this podcast before this book deserves... Including ours
1: and Jay Keys.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, even, even Duke Lagrange deserves better than this book. Absolutely. And uh, we're going to uh, I think this is a good place to end. The f-
1: Yeah, we'll talk about his weird uh portrayal of Japanese people uh next time. Yeah.
0: That was part 1 of Ready Player 1. Please join us next week when we discuss part 2 and then
1: Ready Player 1 2.
0: And then the following week when we discuss part 3 and then hopefully it's over. In the meantime, uh, we are trying to grow the podcast, and the best way for you to help us with that is if you would share this on social media, give us a review wherever you found the podcast, really just try to get the word out. That's, That's the main thing you can do to help us right now.
1: Next month on Words About Books, we were considering doing Starship Troopers, but Ben instead would like to read The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires, by Grady Hendrix, and we will do Starship Troopers a little later in the year.
0: If you're dying for more content, we are posting lots of show notes and commentary over on blog.wordsaboutbooks.ninja, and you can follow us on Twitter at WABpod. Thank you, everybody, and uh, I'll see you next time. Cowabunga.
1: On the next episode of Words About Books.
0: And and because of the strain this contest would place on any person's mental health, he had to have known that a lot of them would feel like Wade. And indeed, uh, Nate, I, I guess what I'm trying to ask you is, how many people did throw themselves off ledges when they lost the contest? So just keep that in mind, guys.